Hello and welcome back to the She Can Ball podcast. I'm your host, Mahi Jariwala. Today we're joined by the strength and conditioning coach for the Atlanta Dream, Coach Jamal Baptiste. Thank you so much for coming on today. No problem. No problem. My pleasure. So how are you? I know that you got out of the bubble quite quite some time ago now, but what have you yeah. been up to right now? Oh, right now, just, um, you know, just doing some off-season uh, work, um, just, uh, you know, making sure to check up with the ladies, see how they're doing. Uh, they're all overseas right now. And, uh, you know, just getting ready for the new year. Um, you know, the year is about to close out. You know, it's definitely been a crazy one, but uh, I'm doing best to finish off on a strong and a positive high note. Uh, so that's, that's pretty much what I've been up to. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up and how did you get into strength and conditioning? Sure. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Um, in terms of my journey with strength and conditioning, I actually started um, at Long Island University in, in Brooklyn. I'm getting my experience there. Uh, I had a really great uh, time under the you know wonderful tutelage of Richard James. Um, and I learned, you know, that's where I got my foundation. Um, from there, you know, I relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was uh, had the pleasure of working for numerous uh, universities there, such as uh, Johnson C. Smith University, Wake Forest University. I did an internship with the uh, basketball performance coach, uh, Coach Ryan Horn, who's, you know, awesome uh, yeah. uh, performance uh, director. And um, from there, you know, I also, um, just uh, was able to have the pleasure of traveling overseas, do some contract work for a massage therapist. So I also helped them out too with, uh, with the track athletes. So to answer your question, um, definitely just a lot of practice, a lot of um, uh, internships at, at the beginning, because you know you, you kind of have to start from somewhere. You can't just yeah. jump into something. You got to really get that experience and to know what you're doing when you can finally go on your own. And that was that was my journey. It, it pretty much um, like I, I developed a, a really a, a nice love and passion for it, and being able to know what someone needs from get them from point A all the way to point Z. I mm -hmm. think that is something that you know through time. Um, it, it definitely you can develop your own philosophy, but you know just learn it from other coaches, uh, so you you don't have to make the same mistakes. You will make mistakes naturally. Everyone mm -hmm. does, but. You know, you can, you know that you have the best interests of the athlete and um, wherever you go, no matter what the setting is, whether it's professional or collegiate or high school or just in the private sector, you know, you know, you're solid, you know, you can work with anyone. And, you know, that's the, the pleasure that I have of, um, you know, doing. Yeah. So did you play sports when you were younger? Like, how did you even get into like the idea of strength and conditioning? Yeah, for me, um, it was more recreational for me. I didn't play collegiately, but, um, you know, just in my career, I just, I, I just had a, a passion for, you know, working with athletes. Um, you know, I started off, you know, bare bones with a lot of people could probably relate just, you know, just personal training. And for me, I felt like there was more to it than that because like in the commercial gyms and everything, there's like quota that you have to meet. And um, it, 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 you know, it's, it's like a means to an end at, at certain times. It all depends on the environment, but that was just my experience. And from there, I decided to, you know, take things to another level. So I got my advanced certifications, such as the CSCS and all the other certifications that allows you to, you know, work with athletes. And it's a really great um, thing to, you know, do because, again, you get to work with people in groups. And you, now you're not just working with them, you know, one-on-one -on -one is, is wonderful, but now you get to see the group uh, grow and develop um, the way that you shape them. So it's, it's, a, 
it's a really cool thing to see. Yeah, I think I think like that's definitely something that kind of interests me. I know that um, I've always been someone that like likes to help people, and I think that that kind of strength and conditioning is cool. And you're able to kind of get a foot in sports without actually playing. You know, like you still kind of are able yep. to be there. So, Absolutely. how did you end up coaching with Atlanta Dream? Yeah, so with the Dream, um, I actually uh, you know met Coach Nikki. Um, there was a facility that I was working at and I, I met her there and, uh, developed a really great relationship and, you know, just let me know the opportunity, you know, was, was coming up and she just really liked my, my style of, um, training and, um, you know, just from my background and just, you know, just working with her on her, on her body, you know, from time to time with my experience with her, you know, she felt it was a great fit and, you know, I, I'll just say it's, you know, it's a blessing, you know, sometimes you just get, you know, put in the, the right position at the right time. Yeah. And then like, what is kind of your role as a strength and conditioning coach? Great question. So my role is to just make sure that, you know, keep the ladies healthy. We keep them fast, keep them strong, um, make sure that they're pliable, that they're not susceptible to injuries. Um, you know, it's not all just about lifting weights. Um, it's really about just making sure that they don't crank out all four quarters that they can last, um, you know, each each quarter and, and not be, you know, fatigued. So it encompasses everything. Even talking about, you know, nutrition, best practices as far as how to recover well, because yeah. if you don't know how to do that, um, you know, it'll affect everything. It'll affect your mind, especially with COVID. Um, you know, the things have changed a bit, you know, in terms of the approach. You know, for me, it's just been more of a holistic approach to things. So like learning how to, you know, really, eat the foods, drink certain things that will decrease inflammation and, um, you know, imparting that on them. Like, Hey, you know, you, you've had this pain or this ache over here. Maybe if you try having this fruit or try, you know, this herb, it may help you out to, you know, allow you to not be, you know, as sore because in the body, when you look at pain, it, 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 it mainly rests there with acid. So if you can get, like what's called a pH balance, right? It's a chemical um, mm -hmm. balance in the body. If you get it to more of a, on a basic end, now that pain and inflammation cannot live there. It thrives on things being acidic. So, you know, things like that, you know, as far as nutrition, that's just kind of like one of the things, but all of those things are things that I focus on. And uh, together with um, our athletic trainer, um, you know, those are the things that we, we collaborate on. Yeah, um, that was really cool. I, didn't, I never knew about that. So you're saying like if there's inflammation or if there's pain somewhere, you want to avoid acidic foods? Correct. Right. You definitely want to do that because not just from a, a place of, hey, I'm just going to stretch and I'm just going to drink water, you know, after the workout. But even the foods you eat after <laughs> will help you to actually um, recover a little faster, help you to sleep better, you know, and it, even at times when you eat, you know, as well, you no matter if you're looking for weight loss or you're just looking to just stay in shape, you want to give the body a chance to reset itself and, and not eat too late. Because uh, again, the digestive system doesn't get a chance to really rest the way it's supposed to. And, um, you know, that can interrupt your, your sleep. So how, how many hours before you sleep do you think is ideal that you eat your dinner? Like I would definitely say at least two to three hours, um, two being a minimum, three will be ideal. Um, again, because it, it'll allow the, it'll allow your food to properly digest 
And then, um, you know, you can, you know, have like a liquid, um, let's say like a protein type of liquid, um, depends on the body type. Everyone's body is different. So I wouldn't recommend like, say like, okay, you, you just have, um, this specific protein. It all depends, you know, definitely have one to check in with your nutritionist and your physician, um, to see how certain proteins interact with your body. Because, you know, back in the day, people would say, well, yeah, do like a casein protein because it's slow digestion or this, but um, certain dairies and everything and don't really um, agree with um, everyone's body. So you really mm -hmm. have to know um, like your blood type and know all these things in order for you to like really customize an, an actual, you know, regimen. Cool. And so, um, you know, if you were in the normal season, what would like a day in your life look like? <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, so um, it's a lot of communication. So for example, um, just communicating with coaches about, you know, athletes and mostly, you know, our athletic trainer as well, in terms of certain athletes that um, may have like um, things from postseason, um, certain nagging injuries or potential um, things that may be going on in their body and then working on that, honing in on that, and then being able to be around for practice to make sure that the team is warming up properly because of practice, you know, they're doing their skill specific work, but they also have to make sure that, that they don't get hurt in practice either. So they have to get a nice thorough warm up. The warm ups could be anywhere from 10 to 15 or even 20 minutes. Um, so um, doing that and then making sure that um, like throughout the day um, that they can, you know, they're fully recovered from the practice that they're, you know, feeling fresh yeah. so they can move on to the next and whether it be a game or whether it be, you know, another practice day. So just a, you know, just an FYI in terms of like my day to day, that's what it entails. And again, with my, you know, my other skill set with massage therapy, I also help out with that. Just making sure that the muscles are um, not overactive and spasmy um, that is, is elongated so they make sure that they can move uh, efficiently. Yeah, and I know it's harder to do even deal with like these pro players because they're con like that's their job, right? They're constantly on the move. They're constantly playing. Yep. And so um, how important do you think recovery is not only for WNBA players, but for young players like me? Oh, that's a wonderful question. Uh, for me, um, that's my number one. Um, recovery is, is huge. Um, mainly because um, it not only allow you to just come back stronger, but it'll balance you out. So like I was telling you earlier about sleep, getting mm -hmm. an uh, adequate amount of sleep, it helps to reduce stress and it also helps your body to, to grow. Like when you're working out and everything, right? The little microfiber tears that are happening in your muscles, but actually when you're sleeping, you're actually getting to you know, repair that. So that's important. Also being able to be in the right, you know, mindset, especially nowadays, right? There's a lot of stress, um, you know, a lot of uncertainty, you know, going on in the world. So just being able, you know, practicing too, like everything, it, everything matters in terms of mental health, physical, spiritual health, and being able to tie all that in and mm -hmm. have that balance. You know, like when you talk about health, it's not just exercise and nutrition is so much more to it than that. So being able to recover is a big part of that as well, because that um, allows you to maintain that balance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like say for example, 
if you're um, if you if you're consistently stressed, you may not be able to sleep right. You know, you you may be very irritable, um, and it may transfer over to your muscles. Like even though yeah, you stretch because you're stressed, right? The body perceives that a different way, and it goes into um, you know to be you know too sciency, but it what it does is just kind of like protects you by just keeping you in a state of fight or flight, which is basically, you know, the sympathetic nervous system. It, 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 it's where you are just constantly, you're on edge um, and you produce like stress hormones like cortisol. So that we want to stay or stray away from that and go towards a more parasympathetic, which is more rest and digest, which allows the body to perform at an optimal level. So that's just more, you know, just uh, in terms of like the nervous system. And mm-hmm. of course, we all we have many systems in our body, but they all have to be balanced out by the things we do in terms of nutrition, the things we do in terms of sleep, the things we do in terms of making sure that our, our muscles and our soft tissue, our fascia, our, um, you know, and being able to like timing, you know, for everything, the right foods at the right time, uh, mm-hmm. the right stretches at the right time, like before you work out, after you work out. A lot of people, you know, they'll do like a little something and just jump into it, but they don't realize how important it is to like recover after the workout to get that process started. So um, to answer your question, it, it is paramount to recover. Mm-hmm. And so you were talking a little bit about like pre-workout and post-workout. I've talked about this a little bit before um, in, mm-hmm. in previous podcasts, but I wanted to hear your kind of take on that. So how important, because I think everybody has their own kind of take and then people can take whatever they want from that and kind of implement that in their own life. So um, how, what do you think, you know, kids should be doing pre-workout and then post-workout? Because I think for me, when I think, especially even now, when I think of recovery, I just think about rest, right? Like sleeping and was recovery, but there's so much other stuff like stretching, foam rolling. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like right before, you know, everyone's body's different. Yours is, mine's is. So we all have different what's called muscle imbalances. And it could be from everything. It could be just from activity. It could just be from overuse of certain things. So we have to address that. Once we know, all right, you know, we have some stiffness on maybe one side or another side of our hip. At the beginning of the workout is when you want to address that. So like you were just saying, in terms of like the foam roll, foam rolling your entire body, knowing how to properly do that. Your calves, your hamstrings, your glutes, um, your quads, um, your lats, which are your back muscles, um, the back, just being able to really open up specific areas of the body, like your hips, um, your thoracic spine, which is your mid-back area, um, your ankles, making sure you have ankle mobility because that's your foundation. So being able to address these areas, whether you have an imbalance or not, or you're aware of it or not, but just being aware of it, having that knowledge to like, all right, I'm going to make sure to follow this framework of adding mobility where it's needed and then reinforcing that with stability. So now I'm, I'm moved. I now I've addressed these issues at the beginning and now in doing that, gaining, um, mobility, proper movement and then stability, which anchors you down, right. Where you need to specific areas of the body, specific regions. Now you can move more efficiently. Now you can warm up and now everything is online. Everything is moving the way it's supposed to. There's no, um, deficiency, you know, in terms of movement, yeah. you know what I mean? So now mm-hmm. when you actually go to lift, you know, you know, there's a, there's a science to it, obviously, but when you, when you go to lift um, your weights right now, all the muscles that are working are supposed to be, and then once you finish now, it's the same sequence, right? 
the way you started is the way you end. So you 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 can foam roll, you can stretch, you can you know there's plenty of massage guns out there now. You can use that, and then you can you know stretch stretch right after that, whether it be with some bands or you just you know manually doing it on your own, or if you or if you have a partner, a workout partner, which is also great too. And then from there, making sure you have the adequate amount of you know nutrition to 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 couple that because that it works hand in hand. So, you know, just to answer your question, you know, pre-workout, you definitely want to have like a really great, uh, what's called a movement prep series, like a, like a performance prep type of series, because you're preparing the body to move, you're preparing the body for whatever it is, whether it's a weight session or whether it's like, you know, you're doing some agility work, multi-directional work. Um, so all of those things are, are going to, you know, uh, make you successful. And how long do you suggest that we do something like that for? So at the beginning, I would say at least five to 10 minutes. And at the end, around the same time, if you need a little extra five minutes uh, for both, 10 minutes will be max. Um, But like, if you need more time, for sure, you can do an an extra five to 10 minutes. Some people do need to, um, you know, do some more static stretching, certain areas. Some people sit for a long period of time. And again, certain activities that they do constitute a little bit more emphasis in certain areas. Yeah, I think with stretching, it's like at any time, like I've, I have like weak ankles, right? So like, I remember yeah. during the season last year, like anytime I would get like any kind of ankle thing, I would be, I would be doing that. So like, I remember I had like these, this board and I would like, I would put my water ball down and pick it up and like work on stability. But the second that injury goes away and it stops hurting, I'm like, all right, I don't have to do it anymore. And I think that like, it's hard to keep ourselves involved with stretching and remembering to do all the stuff unless there's something like causing us to do it. So, but like you're saying, five to 10 minutes, I just, I really, I think we can do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that makes a world of a difference. So like, just like you were saying, like just doing those things, whether it be foam rolling, stretching statically, some like activation work with like some mini bands and maybe some balance work, now you're addressing these issues that you may not even be aware of. And now you can move on when you actually go through like your warm up or you actually go through your workout. Now you can, you know, move in a manner that, that you're more confident, right? And yeah. now all of a sudden there's no leaks. There's no leaks throughout the system. Because when you look at that, that's, that's literally what it is from the ankles, the knees, the hips, the shoulders, right? Anytime there's a leak in a certain area, right? Now you're going to get the symptom that shows up in the form of knee pain or in the form of back pain. And that may not be necessarily where the issue is. Is You may have to look at the joint above or below uh, to see what's going on. So by doing those things that I mentioned to you earlier, now you actually address that um, because now you you make sure that the joints that need stability, they have it. The joints that need mobility, they have it. And now it allows you to, you know, optimize that movement efficiency yeah and you know I think now there's so much research there's so much science that backs up these things right and like a lot of things it's changing so if we think about the WNBA players that you're working with right now I feel like their bodies our bodies and for their age should be better because we have all these resources we have people telling us what to do so when you look at these WNBA players are there any common weaknesses that you see in them that you feel like could have been addressed earlier um, I mean, everyone has, you know, issues, right? So it could be something that they've had from the past or just something that you discover, like, hey, I'm going to 
you know, work on that to, you know, prevent something, you know, worse from happening. And then you educate them on that too, in terms of yeah. landing, in terms of changing direction when they cut, be careful here because, you know, this move can cause you X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, you give them homework in terms of, you know, like, all right, you know, we've addressed this, you know, show them video or picture side by side, like, look, this is where it was before. And this is where it's at now. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, those are just some of the things that will not only allow them to take some ownership of it, but also for me, for myself, is objective information that we both can be on the same page. And now together, we're collaborating together on these things, because they're very open about, you know, any issue that they may have had in the past. So, you know, it's my job to, you know, meet them there and make sure that they're, they're moving in a pain-free range of motion. Um, but to answer your question, you know, the most that I've seen, um, you know, from this past um, summer in the bubble uh, mm-hmm. was, you know, of course, ankles, you know, you got, you know, ankle stuff, you know, you got hips, right? Yeah. And you want to make sure that the hips can move, but yeah, ankles for sure. Um, you know, being able to make sure they have adequate amount of ankle mobility but at the same time too at the bottom you know the feet they need you know that stability as well and maintain that balance you know because the foot it's kind of like a you know like a tripod right you have different arches you know in 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 the foot and not trying to go into a science lesson or anything like that but again educating them educating them on that right so like saying okay based off of you know our movement assessment these are the things that I'm observing I know you mentioned that you know, but this is, you know, your, your ankles feel stiff. This is what we're going to do for it. But moving forward, like when we're moving, you want to, you know, make sure to do this on your own, you know, assigning different things to them that they can, you know, buy into and also, um, you know, just implement. So it keeps them, um, you know, performing at, at, a, at a high level. Because I mean, for the most part, when you look at it's, it, you know, they're, they're at this high level. Yeah. And um, even at this high level, you know, you still have things to, to work on, not just on that from my end, but also on the skill side, too. So once my job is done on the on that end, now it's just a matter of for them to just focus on their skill stuff. And I'm, I'm sure they just rather worry about the skill stuff and to know that their body's in really good shape. Then they just have to focus on one thing, you know, is performing well, winning games. And that, you know, that that really, you know, goes a long way. So, you know, for me, I make sure that I'm very detailed and I'm thorough as possible. So I make sure to uh, get them on board with, hey, this is what the issues are. Hey, this is the solution. I got the solution for you. So now I just, this is the game plan for the solution. We got this, this, and this. All you got to do is this. Oh, all I have to do is this. All right, I'm doing it. So the less you, 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 they have to worry about it. You know, when they come to you, they know they're in good hands. They know that they trust that, you know, you know what they need. Mm-hmm. So once you deliver that again, it, it, it just, you know, takes the pressure off of them. And that, that's what I, you know, definitely pride myself in, in doing. Yeah. And I think that's true because, you know, we can't control how we play in games or like how the stuff happens, but like little things like that we can control. Right. And like making sure we stretch and things like that. Yeah. 
I want a little, I kind of want to go back a little bit. I know we talked about some overtraining things because, and I like to bring this up a lot, but I still, I, I have a big question. So, you know, some people like to take a rest day every week, right? And then some people like, don't like everyone has a different cycle. How do you know what like your rest day cycle or how your body works? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So you have to look at, and then, you know, in my field, there's, you know, different ways. There's formulas, actually, there's actually like, literally formulas that you can write out to measure um, load. But I look at the schedule. I look at the schedule. I look at the amount of time that I have them in the weight room, um, the things that we're doing on the court. I look at, you know, the, the sets and the repetitions that we're doing. I look at the volume that they have for practice, how, how, many, how much time they have for practice, the games, how long the game is. And that allows me to say, okay, you know, and that's collaboration too with, you know, head coach Nikki, just to, you know, talk about it and we dialogue and say, all right, well, rest day is this day. And then you, when they rest, they're not just resting from practice, they're resting also for myself. So um, that's how we determine that. We just look at the overall volume of the way the season is going, whether it be off season. And again, off season for them, it's, you know, they're, they're normally overseas. So yeah. by the time they come back, it's training camp. And we're just looking at, okay, you know, the volume will start to slowly decrease, but the intensity will go up, you know, by the time they're getting into season. So um, that's how I determine that. Yeah. And like, I think you brought up a great point. We think about NBA players, they usually take the off season off and they rest, they take a break, but with WNBA players are gone playing overseas and stuff. Do you think I, you know, I don't know if you would know too much about with NBA players, but do you think that there's a difference between how the WNBA schedule works and NBA schedule works just for that reason? Yeah. I mean, um, again, you know, like the majority of the players, you know, not, not all of the WNBA players go overseas. Some of them do, you know, take the time to just take off, but just like you were saying, you know, um, in the NBA, um, just from, you know, just talking to some of my colleagues, they actually, yeah, some of the majority of the guys, they'll, you know, um, take that time to, you know, either work on their bodies or spend time with their families. And, um, you know, they do their own thing with their own private coaches. Yeah. Um, for the WNBA, you know, they're going straight overseas. So they're playing, you know, all year round. So it's, it's, it's a challenge. So it's, a, you know, again, it's just about, just like you were saying early, like what I, you know, do is just to stay in touch and make sure that um, if they need any resources to make sure um, that they have it, um, sending them information if they need it, whether it's be videos or getting on a call like this and just checking in um, just overall, how's everything going? Um, anything, you know, like games are going and just getting engaged from that to um, impart that information. Like, all right, well, you should be possibly doing this on this day and maybe um, rest on this day you know, based off of what you have, you know, going on out there. And then if need be, you know, touch base with the coaches out there, you know, as well. Um, for me, um, it, it's, 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 it is a big difference. And, but again, once I um, have them again, it's a matter of um, making sure that, you know, that they can get that, you know, from me, you know, just being able to understand that, okay, you know, they've come from, overseas playing nonstop games and now they're coming back into a system here that they're familiar with, but they are going to need, you know, some leeway, like, you know, to gradually build back up, you know? So when I get them, it may not be like, okay, we're going hardcore, 
weights, everything like that. It could be like, hey, we're going to do some band work. We're going to do some, you know, more functional movement type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So they can recover a little faster, you know, from that. And then just really focusing on, you know, the recovery pieces of everything. So now they start to move a lot better. They start to get reacclimated with training camp and um, now getting ready for the season. And now they're able to, you know, go the, go the way they, they need to. So, I mean, those, those are things, those are factors, you know, to consider. Yeah. And um, yeah. I kind of want to shift over to the strength um, part of it, because I don't know mm-hmm. if this is female athletes in general, but I know for me and kind of like where I've been, um, there's not as much focus on strengthening. We think about skills, we think about conditioning, and those are like the main things that people focus on. But with strengthening, I just, I don't know what it is with female athletics, but I feel like it's not as important. And I know for me personally, I prefer to do skill work over everything because I feel like it's most tangible in a way, right? Because you feel like, oh, my shot's getting better or my handles are getting quicker and that's going to help me directly onto the court. So how important do you think getting stronger and strengthening is for female basketball players? Oh, it, it's a it's a hundred percent, you know, important because again, just being able to know, uh, you know, the demands of the sport and also, you know, female body has is a different makeup than the, than the males, right? Yeah. So females have more of a propensity to have, you know, knee injuries, ACL injuries. So being able to strengthen the backside that what's called a posterior chain is huge for the female. So just having a hip strength because you, you need that for, you know, when you're shooting, when you change in direction. So, you know, as much as, you know, and I get it, I've worked with plenty, plenty of females. So I know that, you know, the, the concern, right. Not to be too bulky or not to even mess up the game as far as like, like you said, messing up a shot. I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I'm going to overshoot or I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm stiff or, or my legs are heavy. So being able to space out the, the, the workout days to where when you are playing, now it, it's optimal. It's not like, you know, compounding everything with practice and with the actual games that take place. So um, those things, you know, in terms of organization piece are important, but in terms of strength, hundred percent like no matter what sport you play you need a certain degree of strength because it's a physical game so no matter what your position is um you know you need to make sure that nobody's throwing you around that you can you know absorb some force and redistribute that um but strength is 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 paramount in this um it it, it's it's the prerequisite you know for speed um so you, you definitely need to be strong it's it's important and i mean no matter how you develop it whether it be through various bars, bands, kettlebells, you gotta, you have to develop, you know, a baseline of strength um, because that's what's going to carry you, you know, through the game. Exactly. So what do you think the ratio, because especially right now, because I don't do practices, I'm not playing right now. I'm just kind of training by mm-hmm. myself. So what do you think the ratio should be of strength training versus um, skills and agility stuff? And what kind of, how should that work? Should it be like a certain day or what do you suggest? Yeah, so honestly, it depends on, you know, like the, the season. So like you're in off season, you definitely want to get your strength up, right? When you get into like preseason, yeah, you want to focus more on the skill work. And of course, once you're in the thick of the season, you're maintaining um, that level of strength. The intensity is up when you do lift, but you're not lifting as much as the off season. 
So um, off season is when you really want to develop that strength. And then again, preseason, you're just making sure you're focusing on your conditioning, your skill work is going up. And then um, for the season, you know, you're not working out as much. So say, for example, two days out the week, as opposed to the off season, where you would probably work out like four days a week. Right? But for yourself, um, right now, uh, you know, the question I have too is like, how does your season, how does your season work right now? So that's the thing, like, we don't know, we don't, because it's, it might be March, but I, I honestly don't know, especially with California's COVID rates going up. Gotcha. So um, for you right now, you know, the sky's the limit, you know, you can definitely, you know, get your strength in and still be working on your skills work. So like, if you want to separate the days, you can do that. If you do it on the same day, I would definitely just make sure it's at least six to eight hours apart. So maybe doing like a strength workout in the morning and doing some skills work like in the evening, you know, in the late evening, just so it doesn't, yeah. um, you, you know what I mean? You have a good yeah. amount of time to get some nutrition in and recover from the workout. And it doesn't really interfere with what you need to do. But, you know, the skill work is, of course, uh, the most important, but you still have to, you know, have a certain degree of uh, athleticism in order to, you know, be successful at it. So it, it goes hand in hand, you know, so it all depends on, you know, the level. Um, but just overall, what I'm saying is looking at where you're at, you know, as far as the season, you know, like if it, of course, with COVID, COVID has made everything very, you know, complex and yeah. uncertain in terms of when sports will start to start up and protocols and so on and so forth. But you know, you can definitely get innovative, you know, you can definitely, um, you know, there's a ton of like uh, virtual programs that you can do as far as skill work, you know, just with one basketball in your hand, you can, you can give yourself a, a nice skill workout with just ball handling, go into the gym, get your own space and work on some shots and, you know, just work on, you know, different moves. And um, same thing as far as the, the strength, right? Like say if you have like some equipment at home or just a field where you can go out, open up, um, do some speed work and things of that nature. But to answer your question, it all depends on, you know, where you're at in the season. You know, like off season is where you really want to focus on strength work, really developing that, 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 that base of strength. Uh, Preseason is where you want to focus on, um, you know, more skill work and conditioning. And then yeah. of course, once the season hits, you know, all you're doing is maintaining the strength that you achieved in the off season. Exactly. So right now, I, yep. I know that there probably are a lot of kids out there kind of in the same situation, right? With, I mean, I would probably consider mm -hmm. this more of an off season. So what would you suggest just as like a general, like how, how long and like, what should be the schedule for week? Like, how would you write out a schedule? Oh, good question. So say, for example, you know, you could do at least three days, three days a week is, you know, pretty, um, you know, moderate for, for someone, you know, your, your age. Um, and then also you want to, you know, incorporate, you know, different theme on each day. So let's say, for example, um, today is uh, Sunday and we're, you know, getting a workout in and we're focusing on, you can incorporate like speed in the same day that you do your strength work. So like you come in, you know, you do your, your warm up, your soft tissue work, and then you just work on um, just speed mechanics. So you can focus on like deceleration, focusing on just stopping and starting. And you can do that with a ball, right? You can be in the gym and just working on that because now it transfers over. You want to make sure it transfers over um, because again, 
a lot of times we, we do certain things and do certain drills and it's like, does this really carry over? You know, mm -hmm. this is some people is just, they do, you know, speed drills and it's, it's mainly for like track. And of course it'll help you run better. It'll help you run more efficient, but actually putting that basketball in your hand and working on speed, that's more relative to, and, and it relates more to what you do. So yeah. you get what I'm was, saying? Yeah. Cause that was another question I was going to have for you. Like, what do you think is the most efficient way to train, you know, even strength and conditioning wise? Cause I know some people like run three or four miles a day, but then there's some people that come out and they're like, you know, that's, that's not necessarily efficient, right? Cause you're not yeah. doing that in a game. So, right. So, you know, again, getting back on the court and then you could use those markers on the court, like the free throw line, um, the half court line, the opposite free throw line. And you can, you know, you, you, you can play around with the volume. So yeah. for example, you know, you sprint from the baseline to the, um, to the free throw line four times, right? You know, maybe with one hand, right? Uh, two times with the right hand, two times with the left hand, right? Not only are you working on conditioning, but also you're working on speed, you're working on deceleration once you stop at the, the free throw line. So that's one example, right? Because you got to think about also, you know, the type of um, energy demands that basketball, you know, that it demands. It's a, it's a quick, fast twitch type of uh, sport. So when you train that way, now you're actually developing those muscle fibers in the body. Um, it could be where you, the next day, that you're working on more like change of direction movements mm -hmm. on the court. So it could be around the three-point line, working on some shooting or, you know, just working on some offensive moves. And then once you finish that, then you actually go into like a strength session, you know, like a 20, 30 minute strength session, like full body um, session. And then from that, then you just recover. So that's like a, you know, like a nice sample of, you know, something that I would work on. Like say if I was working with somebody like you or, or anyone else, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's typically, you know, just, just, that's how I roll. <laughs> okay. Very cool. So yeah. Um, yeah. my last question for you is, do you have any advice that you sure. have for young players who aspire to play in the WNBA? Consistency, you know, consistency is everything. You know, um, the one thing I would say is to um, never give up on your dream. You know, even if it doesn't happen, don't think anything, you know, less of yourself to continue to, just keep getting better each and every day, not just as a player, but as a person. That's the key. Um, you know, who you are as a person is going to depend, determine um, the trajectory of your success and what you accomplish in this, in this life. Like just because you're a good athlete, it doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, cause anything can happen. You can get injured. Um, and then, you know, it's all over, but being a good person, I think, you actually attract what you need. You attract the, the environment, you attract the people around you that will come and support you and, 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 and hone you. Cause let's say, you know, you're just an okay athlete, but you're a great person. You can be developed, you're coachable, be coachable. You know, that's important. Um, be able to be willing to grow, be willing to um, look at your strengths and look at your areas of improvement. I don't like to say weakness, but your areas of improvement Mm -hmm. And being able to work on those things, allow those areas of improvement to now become your strengths, continue to keep refining your strengths, but also focus on that, you know, yeah. so that's what we do right at the beginning of the workout, we focus on 
And that's why I'm big on that. Like I focus on where's those areas of improvement. All right, we got to work on ankle mobility. We got to work on hip mobility. All right, we're going to work on that. So now we can continue to build that framework and refine our strengths. Now we've turned those potential um, weaknesses, so to speak, into now strengths. So it's the same thing, you know, just in terms of allowing yourself to be coachable. So being coachable, being a good person, those, that's two. Those are two things I would say you definitely want to do. And when it comes to the skills portion, um, the, you know, taking care of your body, learning, learning about your body is super important. Um, you want to, you know, read magazines or, you know, read books on um, nutrition, read books on, you know, it could be basketball specific, you know, just never stop doing that. Always, 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 at least once or twice a month, whether it be something on offense, defense, or skills, um, always consistently learn, you know, learn the game, be a, be a student of it. And then, um, you know, just having mentors around you to um, allow you to, to grow personally, personal mentor. And now you have a mentor also for the skills aspect of it. Um, so it could be a coach, so someone that was successful that played collegially or played in the WNBA, um, that's also, you know, important you know, as well. But, you know, social media, now you have access to everybody. So, yep. you know, you can always, yeah, you can always, you know, reach out to uh, people on social media um, if they're willing to, and, you know, just drop them a line, uh, things of that nature. But I think, you know, those things are, are super helpful to allow, um, you know, the, the up and coming um, generation to um, be able to, you know, um, get because it does it's, it's not handed and you know the, the probability yeah. you know just realistically it's, it's a it's a you know it's a small percentage of people like get into the WNBA and the NBA so you have to be okay with that if you don't make it it doesn't mean mm -hmm. that it's over because yeah. guess what you could still end up becoming a coach you could still end up you know doing things on a whole nother level you know you could do a player development person you know you could still end up working with them even though your dream wasn't accomplished. So, you know, that's, that's a realistic, you know, for some people, but for those people, those special people that know that they have it, that know that um, they just need that environment or they just need an opportunity. You got to keep going. You know, you have to keep going in terms of yourself. Each and every day is an opportunity to get better. Like we will, we will never know everything, you know, in yeah. this, at the, the time that we have, so mm -hmm. we need to continuously, each and every day, keep learning, keep growing, keep learning, keep growing. Um, so th that is something, you know, I would say, I would definitely say just from personal experience, that's important. That that's gotten me to this level. I would say if I, if I weren't doing those things, I, there, was, be no, there would be no um, door that would just be just fly open like that. Yeah, and I, that was a great piece of advice because I think right now with COVID, I think me me included, I think at the beginning of COVID, I was very diligent with my workouts. I have a plan and now I'm kind of lacking out because we don't know when things are going to start opening up. But, you know, looking at it every day and knowing that you never know, right, what's going to happen tomorrow. So very true. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate your time. You got it. No problem.